Hi! What is happening? What's up? We are back uh, on our regular night a little late because I was uh, doing a baseball game. And baseball never goes. It's the way she goes. I guess it's the way she goes. Just got to go with the flow. Yeah, as long as it goes. It goes. Yeah, it with no threat of rain, we made it through with just a little diamond dry on the mound and uh, the... Uh, home plate and uh we are good kurt you could nice. you could feel kurt's screams as the diamond dry was poured out the money <laughs> not again yeah um, but yes it was a uh, good game iron pigs or the lehigh valley loggers if you're a yingling logger fan like, oh is that tonight no 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 that's just oh coming up coming up soon yeah okay. i thought i watched some of it i'm like i didn't see that yeah, so that was, it was a good night. We, um, I didn't really uh, get anything on Instagram last week to promote the show. I wanted to take, I have my, my own versions of the cans. Like I have a Crystal Pepsi can, Pepsi Kona can, some Big Sam merch. I was going to take pictures of it, put it on Instagram, but I didn't. That's the way she goes. Squeeze her. Huh, well, so would I. You know, I, I think that, I, that, you know, our voices and our, our demeanor and character and wit carry a show. We don't need social media to tell people that we're here. No, no. Uh, our every show we read our reviews, Squeezer. Uh oh. You know that guy who keeps deleting or girl? I don't know who it is. They they keep deleting their uh, review, their bad review, and mm-hmm. posting a new one. Well, they struck again. And they just taken more shots at old RKs. This person really does. D Stromang does not like me. I found them on I found them on uh, Twitter a while ago, just just out of curiosity, and they seem to hate everything. So I don't know why the fuck they still listen to the podcast. They uh, it, it, the title is Am I the, it's me? For you probably. Am I the only one who noticed RK's tendency to add an L to words that have an all sound in them, like hacksaw Jim Duggan? Jaws and drawling. But there is an L. Draw, drawling. No, there isn't an L. Why did I say drawling? <laughs> I'm reading his thing. Drawling. 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 Now I feel like I'm not doing it. He even mentioned a woman wearing a brawl. <laughs> <laughs> a bra. I think I think what you're hearing, D Stroman, is I mumble. Yeah. And I should articulate, but I don't, I mumble. So like I'll, I'll you know hawks all and dug in and it'll sound like an alley because I'm going right into my next word, but go fuck yourself. Stop listening, you stupid asshole. Because I'm never gonna no, stop doing my impressions. No, no, because I'm here. No, you know what? And you love me. No. Start your own spin-off podcast for D Stromang to listen to, all right, and then I... you could hear Squeezer say every word perfectly because he's got no yeah, problem talking you know have, whatsoever. I have a voice for Jesus. Radio. Fuck. This guy's problem, but for every horrible, it's, it's that has to be a bit. Then I, I know, I know. If it's a bit, then bravo, <laughs> bravo, sir. It is hysterical. But if not, you know, go fuck yourself. Uh, you, whoa, someone's feelings got 
Go fuck yourself. Someone, wow, the language. This is I bet they show. have man tits for the, the brawl they wear. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I was, hey, don't lump us all in the one. I hope you fall in the ocean and get eaten by jaws. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bay. I hope that Hacksaw Jim Duggan whips you over there. I, I thought it was Hacksaw. <laughs> it just feels better adding the L to that Hacksaw. one. Hacksaw. <laughs> it's Hacksaw. Yeah. But it doesn't feel right saying it. Hacksaw feels better. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. You, you got to put a little bit of twang to yeah, it. Yeah, fuck off. Anyway, for every <laughs> vitriolic... What, what, listen. Happened, what happened to re- the mocking reviews? Oh, this one, it just finally got to you. No, this guy's been getting to me for a while because he keeps deleting his review and making another shitty review. Like, at what <laughs> point fantastic. do you stop listening? You just like him because he doesn't shit on you. Oh, he did, actually. Yeah. He did. He what? did. He complained about both of us. What did I do? I don't do anything to do anything wrong. Yeah, you do things. I, I, I show up, I say a one or two humorous anecdotes in the course of three hours, and, you know. Oh, you're so perfect over there in your little ivory tower, broadcasting down to me, the little people, with speech impediments. All right, then sweet E-Rock from, te- from Connecticut. Hey, I'm oh, the one with the lisp, remember? I almost said I must say I, 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 I have a fat tongue. I have fat cheeks. I have a lisp. You're I a handsome. I dyslexic. Oh, I that's what he hate. hates. He hates me calling you a handsome sweet boy. He doesn't think that of you. Well, I'm. We're both. The, we're, I listen, you might be mildly dyslexic. The, it's been me the whole time. At least you know your lefts and your rights. Uh, be surprised. <laughs> Make an L. At least there you, you know. could. At least you could read a clock. Are you just trying to say words with an L in it now? Clock. Uh, no. All right. Eric, well, now let me read a fucking good review. Will you shut up over there? Wow. You are testy tonight. I'm fired up. It's kind, it's kind of hot. God. Oh, oh yeah. Just okay, it's going to be a now. So, uh, got requests. Well, we, got a, we, we did get requests. Uh, so, Erock3382 wrote, best podcast ever. Rad Years as a podcast only gets better with age, just like nostalgia. Throw in the fact that the hosts are the most generous people ever, rewarding you for listening with free swag, and it's even better. Come for the I mean, nostalgia, stay for the impressions. Ooh, yeah, brother. <laughs> I love Squeezer's voice. <laughs> and your wife doesn't oh, like my, my voice, does she, Joe? Speaking of Joe, Joe asked for, let me get to it so I don't fuck it up. Uh, He's got a weird impression request for tonight. He asked if Vince can give a review for Follow That Bird. Hey, pal, did you see that Follow That Bird movie? Ah, man, those carnies capture him and they turn him blue. Ah, I would have captured him, but I would have got with polka dots. Big yellow polka dots everywhere. Oh, and the puppies showing. It would have been glorious. Sing bird. Ah, sing for him. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna sing. Oh, God. He rocks out. I mean, Big Bird and Dusty do have a similar physique. Yeah, baby. What's up? It's Big Bird. I'm the Big Bird of Blue of Happiness. Second most recognizable Muppet on Sesame Street behind Kermit the Frog, baby. That's me. 
Big Bird, the American, the Sesame Street dream, baby. <laughs> That's right, dreams here. He's going to come out and show you how it is to be the ever the common bird, the everyday bird. Now that's my movie. Vince you feeling is the, better now? Vince is the carny that captures Big Bird, and Big Bird's played by Dusty Rhodes. That's... I'd watch that picture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd watch that fine film. Oh, by the way, it's Miller time. Wow. Slumming it, huh? Sam Summer. Okay. When you, when you fucking pop a top, you say it's Miller time like Pink Bakeman. Oh, yeah. I said that once when I, you know how as a kid, like you reenact scenes for your parents. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I said that, and then when I, recreating uh, part two after the birthday party, when I go to my sister, let's go get a beer, and we walk off, uh, see offset, and my parents just lost it. They thought it was absolutely hilarious. Would you believe I didn't know? So what... my dad went and got a beer. I I didn't know what he was saying. I didn't know the phrase "It's Miller time," and I didn't know. Uh... Uh, what he was saying, and my dad goes, "Uh, he's saying it's Miller time. That's you know when you're drinking beer. <laughs> middle Miller Lite, he's referring to Ryan." <laughs> he explained. Yeah, it. I had no idea what there. There's so many jokes. Well, I, he, like he, I still get new ones. He says it so fast. It's Miller time. Like you don't get it if you're a kid and know what Miller time is. Yeah. They told me. Joe, I said he hates opening a can of worms, but my Obama is very underrated. That is. <clears throat> Hold on. I've been talking all night. What was that? <laughs> when you're directing a when you're directing a baseball game with a bunch of goons, there's a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you gotta get in the headspace to do Barack Obama. Squeezer, let me tell you this: Joe is a smart guy. His wife, not so much. She thinks your voice is good. She's wrong. It's horrible. Sasha, Malia, uh, the girls, and Michelle have told me that. They don't like the cut of your jib. That's all I'm going to say. I just would assume President Obama wouldn't like you, Squeezer. Wow. Yeah. That's... Well, yeah. Now, that's a that's a lie. You're a sweet boy. Who could not like you? He, he, my sister saw him at a Trader Joe's. How could he not like me? I'm at Trader Joe's. I'm going to get a lot of weird foods. Uh, Michelle, give me a list. She said, do not deviate from the list. So I will not deviate from the list. Very simple. Now I'm being, I'm all self-conscious. Why? Because yeah, you think President Obama, Obama doesn't like, because he doesn't like the way I sound. <laughs> uh, you're worried that President Obama doesn't like the cut of your jib. <laughs> no, he doesn't like the cut of my jib. Well, you know, i sure Obama doesn't like the cut of my jib, but uh, what's his name? Uh, Deleted McDeleter Pants. He likes, he likes the cut of my jib. Which one are we talking here? Uh, the guy that doesn't like you. Oh, DeStroman, what's his name? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, prob- yeah. it's probably, it's so, probably, speaking of, it's probably Donald. He doesn't like my impression. It's probably Trump, true. and it's his only platform. He's, the next one would be, oh, very, no, no, a lot of people tell me, a lot of people are talking. The the biggest losers. Can you believe these losers? Oh, my God. I can't do it. <laughs> you, you just you just want to tee up another review for next week when they shit oh, all over yeah. the right. impressions. I'm just trying to blow out my voice before we even start the show. <laughs> Someone's at the door, Squeezer. Who's there? Oh, Christ. 
Hey, RK. Alex Jones, I hear you doing a lot of impressions. I hear you talking about uh, President Obama. I hear you talking about the deep state and the elitists and the pedophiles in D.C. Did you know President Obama personally funded a, a D.C. pizzeria with Hillary Clinton that they, they traded babies in and they had a pedophile ring in the basement, in the basement, squeezer, in the basement of a D.C. pizzeria? You got to talk back to him. He wants He's here to have a conversation with you. Oh, with Al- I yeah, you're having a conversation with. Uh, I always feel like. Squeezer, I can I ask you a question? Squeezer, I don't need to be. Squeezer, can I ask you a question? Uh, sure. Did you get your second dose of five G microchip from the Bill Gates reptilian overlord, Satanist cult-like injectioners? Because if you did, you're going to want to head over to InfoWars.com because you're feeling nostalgic right now. We want to remember everything about Blockbuster Flops that you watched as a kid. Get Alpha Brain Beta 5 version full of the great nutrients your brain needs to function, including matted wolf hair, dry cement, and all the best expensive lumber sawdust. Go to InfoWars.com <laughs> and enter RAD as the code word for 25% off your order today. I got to go, Squeezer. I got, an, I got a show to do, so I'll talk to you later. What kind of sawdust? Only the best. Squeezer, you've heard of 84 Lumber? (laughs) Yes, Alex, I have heard of 84 Lumber. This is 99 Lumber. This is Lumber at least 15 times better than 84 Lumber. 84 times 15 is 99? Listen, I don't do the math. Don't ask me to do the math. I'm not some elitist down in D.C. trading babies and having pedophilic sex with people at pizza shops. That's your job, Squeezer, and all you D.C. elitists coming at me with your math. By the way, go to Infowars.com. Don't forget to enter the code RAD for 25% off your order, but Squeezer only gets 15 because he can't do math. <laughs> Okay, that's about enough. You you warmed up? Joe asked if I could do one last one. I was singing as Bruce Springsteen. I don't think I can do that. I can't sing, let alone as Bruce Springsteen. Joe. Woo! Uh, also, thank you to Sweet Eric from Texas. Um, squeezer, oh, offended. At hang the- on, I'm going to get my hat. So I can proceed to eat it. He offended the entire state of Texas when he said not only did Coke never produce three liter bottles, but you couldn't get them anymore. He proved this wrong. Sending us a three liter of Coke, a three liter of Diet Coke, and a three liter of Chuck Norris drinking water. (laughs) Or otherwise known (laughs) as a gallon. (laughs) Yes. It's a, a 25 pound box. Of liquid. Yeah, man. What was the shipping on that? The guy at FedEx is like, are you sure? <laughs> is is there bags of Coke in these Coke bottles <laughs> that you're shipping? Is that what you're doing here? Even the guy at delivered, he's like, this is really heavy. Yeah. Who the fuck? Who is working here? Like, what kind of idiots do you have working with you? Gene just shrugs her shoulders and uh, says, the biggest yeah. kind. I kind of wish that he would have been standing there when you're like, he had to carry this shit all the way in and you know, yeah. like, they don't like to have to do that. But if he had to stand there after carrying that all the way in and you open it up and it's three liters of Coke, three liters of diet Coke 
and three liters of Chuck Norris artisanal water. Mm-hmm. And then you offer him some. Would you like some Coke? <laughs> I got a three liter bottle. Ah, <laughs> oh, now I gotta start catching crayfish. Yeah, that's your goal. It's uh, get out there and uh, catch them. I don't know. I don't know if I can. Can I eat them yet? I don't know. Is that that's it's a shellfish, right? Is that gonna kill me? Can is there I some way know. you could catch clams with these fucking things? Because no, well, clams are a mollusk, sir. No, I'm saying, is there a way you oh. can catch clams with these? Because I mean, I mean, if you'd like, you go and scoop up a clam with a three liter bottle, sure. Not enough clams for you though. No, no, and the missus fucking thought I was joking. I was half joking. She went the other half that I was hoping she wouldn't. I'm like, hey, when you're at Wegmans picking up some things, <laughs> why don't you go get, get me some clams? So when I get home at 11 o'clock at night, I have a little snack. <laughs> right. The ha-ha was just a tag to like cover up the fact that I was asking her to buy me a bushel of clams to eat at 11 o'clock at night, and she thought, you know, I was joking. So I let wasn't. me let me. What's how much? What's a bushel of clams? Ex- explain how big. Uh, that is. is a bushel. I think is two hundred. See, nothing like coming home, eleven yeah. o'clock on a Thursday night, and steaming. Yeah. And steaming two hundred clams for a late night snack. I mean, I would have saved some for breakfast. I'm not gonna <laughs> do two hundred all at once. They'll last till the morning. Oh man, that your clam story just lost us two viewers, Squeezer. Thanks. Oh, so yeah, because they're going. They're like, you know what? I'm going to get I'm clams. Go get some clams. Hell yeah. Do you like um my the picture the Photoshop? Oh, hang on, let me get this out of the way. What do we got? That's here? me at a movie. Oh yes, I I, I it's ah, it's adorable. Yeah, I found the I found the cat. I guess they sell it on a pillow somewhere. I just cut cut them out of the oh. pillow and I put it on the. Put it on the thing there, cause uh, is that gonna be the one thing that pulls us off of YouTube finally? That you you can't win. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you stole someone's picture of a cat. Cat in three like, D glasses with a. When you have like seven cats that you could have taken a picture of with three D glasses. Three on. cats and mm-hmm. Olive's got one eye squeezer, so that's insulting. Oh, sorry, Olive. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, well, everyone else in the house is going to 3D movies. You and Oliver are just sitting at home. Me and Oliver just sitting there. You can't see shit, and I'll die, so. Right. You want me to have a seizure, Squeezer? Is that what you want? You want poor Olive to just wonder why everything's red? (laughs) Man, so insensitive. Ah, that's me. That's insensitive. Actually, no, you're right. I I am insensitive, Squeezer. You're usually sensitive, Squeezer. I, I, me personally, I'm sensitive, but as far as everyone else feels, oh go, right, right, you, I like to say mean things right. that make me you feel could, better about myself. You could dish it out, but you can't take it. Right. I no, I take it, but I just bury it deep down inside <laughs> to make this visceral bile that just boils over, and eventually I just snap every, you know. Two eventually, years. you just take it out on Jake. <laughs> yeah, I say really mean things, and then I feel bad. Or Ian. Or uh, no, no, I don't feel bad. Yeah, I mean, I didn't say you felt bad at the end, but you. Take oh, it out you just take it out, and yeah, yeah, right. yes, yeah. Okay, uh, let's start the show. How about it? All right. Um, I think you go first this week, right? I I think so. Yes. We're not talking box office bombs this week. We're talking blockbuster flops. Big difference. Yes. 
And Squeeze's first box office flop is as follows. To some, it was the fulfillment of a dream. To others, the ultimate weapon. What do you got in there? But to Cliff Secord, it was just an innocent discovery. I wouldn't touch that if I... A discovery that will lead to the adventure of his life. I want that rocket. Not next week, not tomorrow. Now. Uh oh, we got company. You steer on point. <laughs> Jerry's in trouble. They're working for a Nazi agent. Shoot him! We've got the girl. Man, trailers suck. Back Yeah. Down. This makes no sense. That might have something to do with a number of my picks sliding. No, oh, yeah, marketing. The Rocketeer. And, and, and again, this is nothing. I'm going to try to stay away from rehashing the movie and telling everyone why I love it so much. Or, you know, And just get to the crux of the issue of why this movie flopped. And, look, it made... Well, at least it made its production budget back. Um, as far as marketing goes and, you know, all those other costs, like you say, a movie never makes money. But in, in this case, it, it's not that it just didn't make money. It's that it didn't make money over the long run. Because the idea here was this was Disney's venture. This was going to be their Batman. They wanted a franchise. Oh, there really? were plans. There's going to be multiple Rocketeer movies? Oh, there's going to be movies. I mean, it's a. <clears throat> they'll find a way to get another jetpack in there. But it, it was going to be a franchise. It was, going to, it was going to be the Rocketeer, and there was going to be toys and, um, yeah, additional spin offs, other movies, uh, tie ins, games, all that. Like, it was going to be uh, uh, the what same ha thing what happened to them, that then? they had why with didn't, Batman. Why didn't they come out? Just... I don't remember any Rocketeer merchandise. No, because it it because the idea was that the movie was going to take off and then they start producing. There was some stuff. There was like a that one of those rubbery, wiry action figures, mm -hmm. um, like uh, and uh, there was uh, a video game developed. There was some marketing, a little bit of tie-in stuff here, but it, it never. They they didn't go all in like whereas with Batman like they did it with the movie. Their their thought was well they're gonna release the Rocketeer it's gonna get popular and then they can start putting merch out. So at least they saved themselves the headache and the trouble of creating merch that no one wanted. <laughs> um, and don't get me wrong I love this movie and I think it only gets better with age and it does better now in an era of comic book movies. Where you can just make a whimsical comic book movie uh, at a time where everything kind of had to be gritty and as shit had to start getting darker and stuff. Where this was, this really was like, you could see him like, G. Willikers, like you could see Billy Campbell like in that, like that Robin role, like holy rusty metal Batman, but like actually mean it. Um, and at the same time, not come off as like silly or campy. Uh, I think the pr one of the biggest problems was no one knew what the hell it was, and it fell into 
the same void of like the phantom and the shadow even though yeah, but the shadow had created the shadow had like a kick-ass action figure line it did but again they what they wanted out of it they didn't get just like with the phantom and the shadow they wanted well of course they wanted but they wanted that batman aura they wanted that batman line they wanted that franchise they wanted it everywhere and they wanted kids dressing up as the shadow for halloween that wasn't going to happen uh it, it, it's an era thing and even though so the shadow and the phantom date back to those pulp comics the rocketeer was created in 1982 well so does well yeah but so does uh dick tracy dates back and they had toys and that that took they off they did that merchandise dick tracy went crazy worked i don't know if it was a matter of sheer luck or the movie is just that damn good and the marketing around it was good. They did a better hype job with it. But the Rocketeer, they didn't. Uh, and I, I think... <clears throat> it, it's strange, though. Like, Dick Tracy is the standout in that. Whereas, <clears throat> you, you you have, like, this nostalgia thing where... Uh, same thing, like, uh, Happy Days in the 80s. You go back 30 years, and it's the 50s. Same thing now, you go back 30 years, now you're in the 80s. Problem was, in 90, you go back 30 years, you're in the 60s. And that's like that nostalgia bubble kind of works. At this time period where they're releasing these movies like The Rocketeer and The Phantom, uh, The Shadow, like, you're going back too far. You missed your nostalgia bubble. These are, this, you're, th this is our grandparents. There aren't too many kids. Like, The Rocketeer was cool. I thought it was neat. But you don't see too many kids jumping at that period piece. Well, they had contact. a Pizza Hut and Eminem Mars candies tie-in. Yeah, and it kind of didn't exactly. And it wasn't gangbusters. Extensive product line followed with computer games. Yeah. Um, this was Joe Johnson's second. I think that this film's really important because. It definitely was, like, the keystone for Captain America. Like, you can see, like, the, the, that gave him a place to jump off to create that. Well, that was but all created it, just, in the comic books. Well, yeah, but just the feel, the vibe. Like, you took a guy that, okay, this guy knows how to do this yeah, but era don't, don't of you, action. Don't you think the Rocketeer ripped off some of Captain America comic books? Sure. Yeah. And maybe Joe Johnson took inspiration from that when working on the rocketeer for all you know although he did have the comic books itself to work on too yeah. so you could argue that the rocketeer comic ripped off captain america but that's only just because it takes place around the same time and they're fighting nazis but you know who doesn't love doing that yeah uh the other thing the other issue i had was there's no there's no star it, it sounds silly but there's real no no star power when compared to, like, well, yeah, that's Batman. what that's what drives parents to say, "I'll I'll go take my kid to see this." Warren Beatty was Dick Tracy. Madonna was Breathless Mahoney. Yeah. Uh, Jack Nicholas Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Yeah, <laughs> Nicholas is a girlfriend. But Nicholson like, is is no one Joker. knows who Billy Campbell. I mean, he was like that young up and coming, you know, and like. I love Alan Arkin, and and like Timothy Dalton was James Bond, but 
He wasn't everyone's favorite James Bond. No. You know? So it, there was that kind of gap there. Like, if you if you want to create something huge... A lot of character actors in this movie. Yeah. Which I think is fine. It plays well. But if you want to create something that's massive and your next big franchise... I don't get... Like, you can't put a movie like this out without toys. That was their big mistake. Absolutely. And the toy that they had, and I, I had it, and it was lame. Just a rig, big rubber block of Rocketeer. <laughs> it, was, it was like a, a Stretch Armstrong, like that froze. Weren't they the Bendems? Wasn't a Bendem? It was kind of like a Bendem, but it was so damn hard. You didn't want to. <clears throat> yeah, it, it wasn't a lot of fun to play with. And you could have had, I mean, if Kenner would have gotten a hold of this, holy shit. He would add 30 different kinds of jetpacks. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. But, yeah. Still love it. But, uh... And it, but there t- still talks about there being a remake, and it's in the works. There's a new animated series on Disney uh, with the little girl taking over the helm. So, you know, and I hear it's half decent. I think I saw, like, one didn't hold the kids' interest, so we went mm. back to Bluey. <laughs> Man, Rocketeer. Yeah, so a lot of lost potential there. I guess so. All right, well, let's move on to my first pick. You guys heard me talk about this one before. Let's get ready to rumble! The shack is back. That was in the upper deck. Oh, that was gone! Hoop Matters are back. <clears throat> Have you ever seen a crisp $50 bill? Good times are back. Woo! Bingo! Will you please suck out the poison for me? Caddyshack 2. Is there any money in it for me? Yeah. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Check your local listings for showtimes. So Caddyshack 2, but like you said, I've talked about it, but I'm going to talk about why it wasn't a success. So there's a lot of stuff I read from this article Sports Illustrated did that said the inside story of Caddyshack 2, uh, one one of the worst sequels in history, which I disagree with. It was, it came out in this. I disagree because I think mine, I, I have the worst sequel in history. Yeah, this is actually a funny movie. There's a lot of funny scenes. Uh, but it's it's not cat it's not a good Caddyshack sequel I guess is the way to put it. Fair enough. Um, Chris Nashawadi wrote this last summer. Uh, so it, uh, Caddyshack itself wasn't a box office uh, juggernaut. It was this little raunchy movie that became this huge cult classic after it came out because of all the Lampoon people in it. And Saturday Night Live taking off, this movie just exploded. Uh, so, obviously, uh, John Peters, uh, who, with Peter Gruber, took over um, Sony in the book Hit and Run, <laughs> which I talk about all the time. These two Cha-ching. idiots who somehow are involved in every fucking movie we talk about in Hollywood uh, wanted to make a sequel. And they wanted Rodney Dangerfield back for the sequel. Uh, the, the, before they had a script, 
they had a tagline for the movie's poster. The shack is back. That's always good when you have, when you're working ahead on the, right. You have the poster before you have you're no scared. idea what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> yeah. So they wanted, um, Rodney back for the sequel and, um, he, uh, he didn't. He was realized that he's a he's a star now. He was paid thirty five thousand for the original, and now he's asking seven million with five million paid up front to make his return. He also wanted a personal sauna built on set. Warner Brothers agreed to this. They gave him five million up front, seven million total. Uh, they wanted a big summer comedy for nineteen eighty eight, and they had nothing. Uh, then they made. They gave. Chevy Chase a huge amount of money that I don't I, there's no dollar but it was a, of a couple million to have a glorified cameo as Ty Webb. Uh, he's on screen for five minutes total in Caddyshack two. Now they're a great five minutes. Don't get me wrong. He's like ever seen a Chris fifty dollar when he clears all the women out of the fucking clubhouse. That's one of the, my favorite scenes on the planet. Have you ever seen a Chris fifty dollar bill? <laughs> Uh, Bill Murray wasn't interested, um, coming back as Carl Spackler and, uh, Ted Knight died from colon cancer in 1986 at the age of 62. So, uh, they wanted Harold Ramis to rewrite the screenplay, but Harold Ramis didn't, but danger Ronnie Dangerfield, like rode him hard apparently to get him to write it. And according to this article against Harold's better judgment, he gave in. And Rodney was saying, come on, it'll be great. Um, then he uh, hit him with the irresistible logic that if he didn't do it, someone else will. So Her- I, f- I didn't even realize Harold wrote this fucking thing. Uh, I don't, he didn't really... I, I mean, it's funny, so it makes sense. But uh, They got uh, the back-to-school director, Alan Metter, to, to direct... Um, and Harold's heart wasn't in it. They got the script as good as they could get it. Uh, but Rodney didn't like the script. He hated it. Uh, and despite the fat payday, he was getting more disenchanted. He asked for rewrites, didn't like those either, either. And then he was like, all right, I got to get the fuck out of this movie. Uh, he wound up pulling out, um, Let's see what he demanded to get out. He reportedly demanded additional royalties, final cut rights, and they already spent $2 million on pre-production. So Warner Brothers sued him for breach of contract for $10 million. Does that include the sauna? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Filming was put on hold. Uh, they settled for an undisclosed amount. And um, when Rodney pulled out, Held Ramis said he was done because they only did it for Rodney. And they said, no, come on, we'll go see Jackie Mason. And I guess they went to Jackie Mason's uh, one-man show. And they're, they're like, hey, he's the guy for it. And then that's when Harold Ramis was like, no, this is this is not it. Um, they wound up getting uh, Robert Stack for the Ted Knight role, which I, from fucking uh, Unsolved Mysteries, he and he's great in that, is uh, mm-hmm. Mrs. Esterhouse! And they've got... Dan Aykroyd for the weirdo Carl Spackler role and the high-pitched voice he did, which was, in my opinion, hysterical. From now on, I should be called a 
Mr. Sanderson, and you will be known as Mrs. Esterhouse. Um, they got a new writing team. The guys who wrote Who Framed Roger Abbott, Jeffrey Price, and Peter Seaman. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, yeah, Jonathan Silverman, who went, went on to become a future star with Weekend at Bernie's and one of my favorite movies, Weekend at Bernie's Part 2. <laughs> I love when they're at Weekend at Bernie's in the Caribbean. Uh, yeah, sorry, work text. It's I mean, I could just fill rather than just right. do the uh, interlude music. They, they brought in uh, Randy Quaid, who's fucking hysterical. Cousin Eddie, who's hysterical as uh, Jackie Mason's uh, fucking psycho lawyer, who's fucking great. And uh, that character was supposed to be played by Sam Kinison in the Dangerfield original picture. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what, wait, what year was this? 88. Okay. Yeah, right before. Car so accident. he was already kind of like on his... Yeah. Yeah. That would have been a disaster. Um... So, yeah, uh, January 18th, they went to Rolling Hills Golf Club in D Davie, Florida. And they started filming, and they said Diane Cannon, who played Jackie Mason's on-screen lo on love interest, had zero chemistry. I thought it was great. I don't know. I, and Chevy Chase, I, I thought it, it was funny. I don't think this movie is as bad as everyone. And there, everyone complains that they, they made the gopher speak. And then they're like, all the, here's the line. He goes, the jokes are all groaners, especially Ackroyd's suck out the poison routine. I love groaners. Come on. <laughs> The original love, of, the original's love of golf is nowhere to be found. It's probably why I like it better, because I fucking hate golf. Uh, Bushwood has been turned into a mini golf eyesore that doesn't even have a caddyshack. The movie's idea of a comedy is loading the soundtrack with horse fart sound effects and adding more gopher, who, in case you have the good fortune not to see, actually speaks. It's even more embarrassing than it sounds. It is not. It's fucking hysterical. That horse scene, when the horse jumps over the thing and farts. <laughs> He's like, I think your horse has a bit of gas. He goes, it's not the horse. It's not the horse. <laughs> it was just ahead of its time. It was. It's a fucking funny movie. Oh, well. It's unliked, but, you know, for me, it'll always... It uh, It was made for $25 million and it opened uh, to a feeble $4.4 million. Oof. It eked out 11.7, but the critics were merciless. It stands at a 4% critic rate on Rotten Tomatoes and only an 18% audience, so people fucking hate this movie. The Chicago Tribune said it's shoddy, lazy, and numbingly stupid. The Washington Post said it's patronizing and clumsily manipulative, and the top banana Jackie Mason is upstaged by a gopher puppet. <laughs> it's, it's on Rotten Tomatoes' list of 50 worst summer movies of all time. I don't know. I like it. I'll continue to watch it and enjoy it. But until then, let's hear about Squeezer's next pick. He's pulling off the con of a lifetime. This man is here to make some money. 
in the action film of the year. You shot some of our guys. Once it deserved it. Bruce Willis's best movie ever. Last Man is a shoot 'em up. Slam bang action bonanza. Might be a good time for you guys to give up. Bruce Willis in a Walter Hill film. Last Man Standing. Such a nice guy. Rated R. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Starts Friday in a theater. I don't even. I never saw this movie. <clears throat> oh, I, I, I had this on. Uh, I bought this on DVD, and uh, not too long after it came out. And you know, back then DVDs weren't cheap. Uh, this was like the dollar bin of the day. Um, so. When did this come out? 1996. It was the action movie of the year. You know? I never heard of it. Not, not uh, Twister, not The Rock, not uh, Independence Day, not Eraser, not Broken Arrow. What's this called? Not Daylight. No, uh, Last Man, uh, Escape from L.A., uh, Last Man Standing. Isn't that a Tim Allen movie show? Where that, and herein lies some of the problem, I noticed, when even trying to do research for this film. So... This initially had some high hopes because you bring in uh, Walter Hill, who did, uh, you know, the 48 Hours movies. And you have Bruce Willis. Uh, you have Christopher Walken. Like, this is set up to be a big picture. And I don't know what it is. I think uh, this is one of those things where... And you could argue that this is what happened with Caddyshack, too, is at a time where critics really mattered. And it wasn't just people. You didn't you didn't get everyone you, word of mouth with friends, but like you didn't have like an online community where it's like, oh, no, that critic, he sucks. Like, no, it's a good movie. Go see it kind of thing. So critics had sweat. Critics hated this movie uh, and it got panned hard. Uh, and. When people did see it, then they told their friends because the drop off was huge. And the first, so it debuted at number two. Uh, it came out in in September, so it was like, just at this point, get it out there because I the movie is in development. And then that summer, you have you have Broken Arrow, you have Eraser, you have look Independence Day comes out this year. So pretty much you're done. All right, you're not going to be the biggest action movie of the year. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, the gunplay is pretty cool. Uh, it's dark. It's gritty. It's to the point where it's almost too much. And it's coming from me. It is. It's actually almost a little overbearing and just heavy. Like you just need. Sometimes you need a little bit of levity. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not there. Uh, it didn't have. It wasn't. John McClane, Bruce Willis, like there's, there wasn't that just a little bit of like just funny haha, -ha, like like uh, no no gallows humor, no humor period, just gallows, um, and it, it some it could be a chore sometimes, uh, it's based off of it's technically a remake of Yojimbo, the Japanese film from way back. Because uh, it's actually credited as based on or like from the story of Yojimbo, um, which is actually based off of Red Harvest that was written, you know, earlier in the century. Uh, and also uh, 
uh, Fistful of Dollars is kind of like a spinoff in between. So it's basically, there's actually a great page that compares um, Yojimbo from 1961, A Fistful of Dollars from 64, and Last Man Standing from 96, and all the plot elements. And basically it's just point for point, just boom, 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 boom. A Fistful of Dollars was different enough that they don't consider it an actual remake or ripoff. But Last Man Standing is a formal ripoff where they actually got uh, uh, Kurosawa's, the director of Yojimbo, to sign off on it. Like mm. he gave it his blessing to go make it. Because he knew it was a piece of shit. But anyway, it came out. Because <clears throat> hmm? he knew it was a piece of shit. Uh, I don't know. He probably wasn't ever going to see it anyway. Uh, September 20th, the weekend for uh, 1996. Last Man Standing uh, goes debuts and goes up against the First Wives Club. First Wives Club rakes in eighteen million on its opening weekend. Last Man Standing only seven, so not not too uh, not too great there. Just and it's because with that cast, you would think, oh wow, they're gonna you know it's gonna do well. Problem is they didn't market it. Period. They kind of gave up on it. Uh, it, it was it was hard to find a lot of spots, any information on this. Even if you go to something like the wiki page for it, where there are movies you click on it, you can scroll and scroll, and you just there's so much information that you could get there, and then articles linking off of it. And this is, I mean, I think mine's almost longer than this. It's kind of sad. There's just no one cared, like they just kind of gave up on it. There was no marketing push or anything behind it. And like you said, you never you never saw it. You never even heard of it. Nope. Um, and then in a week, it dropped, what, 50%. It went from number two to – it only dropped a spot to number three. But at that point, it only made $3.5 in its second week. In its third weekend, it was down to – Seven and it only made another two million. So yeah, it, it did not it did not do well. Uh where's that? Oh, it's considered one hundred it's ranked number one hundred and forty sixth of the worst openings uh of any movie. Uh in twenty five hundred plus theaters. That's like their uh their standard there and it's right behind uh remember x versus sever mm, yeah yeah it's right up there with x versus sever a matter of like 300 dollars or something like that yeah uh, uh, on paper uh this movie was uh supposed to be huge on paper and i think it was just almost too dark for its own good and people just Sometimes you don't want to see that. Like I, Roger Ebert even said he was quoted saying, "This is such a sad, lonely movie." And yeah, it it should have been huge. It uh, it definitely. I think they knew what they had when they saw it. It's like people aren't going to see this, and they just refused to try to put any more money behind it. I have a feeling now, like this is this is fodder for HBO. It's dark, it's gloomy, it's a lot of violence. You can find a way to throw in a bunch of boobs for no reason. Yeah, but is is it any good? I think it's good. I really do. I don't think it's a bad movie. 
It's just very heavy-handed. And Bruce Dern's in it, and Bruce Dern is great in it. He's awesome. But it's it's very heavy-handed. It's a, It can be a bit of a emotional slog, but you know, the action's pretty cool. There's some great gunfights and stuff. And Christopher Walken's in it, too, so. Walken. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> Shall we get... Shall we move on? Yeah, let's bring some levity to the show. Ooh, I won't be doing that. Sorry. Oh, crap. The Little Monsters movie is about to begin. But before it does, I'm going to fill you in. Want to win some super prizes when you're not alone? Because the point is as close as your telephone. Dial M for Monsters. It's 95 cents a minute for a game so red. But before you call in, check with Mom and Dad. Super Teen or Teen Machine Or that old Lob Mouth Magazine They got the scoop They'll tell you more or Check out the display At your video store Check, 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 check it out Go ahead Check it out Go ahead That was a uh, weird commercial For a 900 number For Little Monsters Which is a <laughs> creepy movie That I saw as a kid on uh, Of course I had to see it on Pay-per-view because it barely was in theaters. For a budget of $7 million, it made less than 800000 Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it was only... Uh, so, the distribution rights were so, sold to MGM United Artists uh, after Vestron's bankruptcy. Uh, it subsequently saw a limited release with only 179 movie theaters showing the film in its high point. Yeah. Did you see this movie? No. I, I know like I, I know it from like the imagery. I know it. You know, like, we watched it because it was supposed to be for kids. Mm-hmm. It's not for kids. This movie's fucked up. Uh, we saw it. I saw it and I was like, this movie, it like haunted me. It was so weird. How much did it open for like 800 something? Uh, it or, made, like, total, no, no. Gross. Total box office, 793,775. Oh, God. Oh, so I I have my that worst openings list. It's not even on there because you said it wasn't even in that many theaters. One hundred seventy nine. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, that's why I saw it on request. I'm like, oh, if, Fred if Savage you and I... is in it, and we watched it. And this movie. So I found this guy on Reddit who thinks it's about child abuse. And if you think about it, it kind of is. So he says it was three years ago by Gnomefish. Uh, and the threat is is Little Monsters 1989 about child abuse. He says, first off, I mean no disrespect to anybody that might interpret it this way. I'm not making light of such acts. On the other hand, after watching this film on a whim for the first time since childhood, I was shocked at how the film was either incorporating some rather dark subject matter or was simply being completely tone deaf and oblivious. It being the late 80s, I find either being 80s, I find either being pretty plausible. So I'm sharing this because I, I'm legitimately curious if anybody else has noticed. 
So the film's about a young boy, Brian, befriending the monster that comes into his room at night. Together, they get in the hijinks because in Monsterland, parents can't tell you you can and can't do anything. At the same time, Brian's parents are fighting with each other and on the verge of divorce, and you don't notice or don't believe the claims Brian makes about, well, they don't notice about the claims Brian makes about a monster coming in his room at night. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, it gets weirder. If monsters are exposed to light of day, they become even more monster-like before they die. This actually becomes a major theme of the movie. In the end, the evil monsters, one is called Snick and the other is called Boy, and has the appearance of a grown man wearing a schoolboy uniform with knee-high knee -high socks, are killed by shining lights on them that for some reason are fashioned over the kid's chest and crotch-like armor. Mm -hmm. Is this a mm -hmm. metaphor for shining a light on their abusers? Monsterland also has the weird effect for turning kids into monsters if they stay <coughs> down there too long. Perhaps this is a nod to the popular notion that being abused as a child is a strong indicator for becoming an abuser as an adult. But for the record, there's no empirical evidence of this. It's just a popular theory amongst clinicians and lay people. Um, the first two scenes made me begin to question the implications of the film were first Brian it, were in the first where Brian is first wrestling with the monster in his room. The dad walks in and yells at him for being noisy and making a mess and the monsters in there. But his clothes are there, which include adult sized jeans, a T-shirt and a leather vest laying on the floor beneath the kid. It'd be one thing if the monster wasn't there at all. But the way the scene is set up, it seems weird that the father wouldn't comment on the clothes being in the kid's room. Their adults' clothes. On the other hand, the other odd scene also involved the father, played by Daniel Stern. He's been kind of an ass throughout the film, always yelling at his kid, grounding them for a mix of things the kid did, but also some things the monster framed him for. In this scene, he's sitting on the bed with him, and he's actually being pretty nice. Then he puts on, he puts his hand on Brian's bare leg and kind of runs his hand along him, and it shifts into a semi wrestle before he's like, "All righty, let's go have dinner." Again, this could easily just been an instance of awkward chemistry between Daniel Stern and Fred Stavage, who, funny enough, play the same person in The Wonder Years, and Daniel Stern really not knowing how <laughs> affectionate as a father. But in the context of the film, it's just weird enough to make you wonder if there was originally intent to the direction of the scene. So, there's added elements of suggested dialogue again, kind of a staple of kids' movies in the 80s but feels a bit too on the nose considering the context. Some examples, after the monster turns his head into a dog head, man's best friend, his right hand, proceeds to lick his hand. Snick, you scared of me, aren't you? I like that. Oh, I love that. Why doesn't a boy just play with himself? Snick and boy are upset at a kid who brought in and shown their secrets. In the end, the boy decides he wants brain to himself to play, brain to himself to play with. The lead's to a particular odd scene between Snick and a kid that just ran out of the boy's chamber. Uh, the boy asks you a favor. You should take it as a compliment. Kid, I said, I tried. Snick, I tried. Snick, well, you didn't try hard enough. My knees, they hurt, the kid said. Like, it was weird. Hmm. And I always thought this movie was weird. It just freaked me out. Like, at night, like, he was wearing sunglasses, the, the peeing in the apple juice bottle. There's a lot of things that freaked me out about this movie as a kid. And it wasn't one of the movies I was like, mm, this movie makes me feel good. But maybe that's why they didn't give it a wide release because they're like, it's a movie about pedophilia. Hold on. Someone's here. Yeah. Can I help you? 
Of course this movie's about a pedophilia. These are oh, Hollywood elitists, and all they do is make movies about their favorite pastime, which is pedophilia. And I can tell you for certain that Bill Gates personally funded this movie back in 1988. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, this is probably the biggest reason why this movie flopped. They saw this, they realized it's a creepy pedophilia allegory, and they're like, we're not releasing this. That I I I'm this is one of those things where I'm like I'm going to watch this and I don't know, we'll, we'll see I'll write it down but I not saying I like the idea of it yeah, but if it is like it's a very clever way of addressing it yeah it, it's just I mean that you have your yes. director is. I, I found his so his screen credits. He, he directed Little Monsters. That was like his. Then he directed an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Mm-hmm. But his main gig is, uh, title designs for movies. Mm. Not maybe you're not ready to direct a film when you do the titles. It's an important job. It's a hard job. I couldn't do it. Um. Moving on, Squeezer. Mm. Yeah. Are you ready for your next pick? Oh, yeah, sure. That was kind of heavy. It was. A world in the grip of conspiracy. I want fear racing through every street. At the mercy of technology. We're going to war. Now, one man. We're dying out there. Holds the key to the future. I'll be the judge of that. Sylvester Stallone is Judge Dredd. This film is not yet rated. It starts Friday, June 30th. Dredd. Oh. So, there's a lot to unpack here in that. Um, also, and keep in mind, I'll, I'll come back around to this, because I think this is probably the most important part of its failing with the, uh, this film is not yet rated. We will get to that. Um... The movie itself, visually, I think is fantastic, especially for the time and the budget. It was on par. I think I thought the look was great, uh, and and it, even just like the bulk, like dread on the motorcycle, it, it just felt heavy. It felt commanding, um, and I thought Stallone wasn't terrible. The biggest issue I have with it is he takes his damn helmet off. Yeah, Dread never I, take. He never puts his helmet on, basically, in the movie. Yeah. Oh no! It it like, you have it in that opening scene, and it and then he holds it the rest of the it. movie. Yeah. 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 Dread doesn't um, take his fucking helmet off. No, it, it was it was despicable, and that's and then they complain that and when they read the movie with Carl Urban, Carl Urban that's, when I he was like was still good. like a nobody, he kept the helmet on, and they're like, "Well, it bombed because you have a nobody wearing a helmet." I'm like, what? Well, it's so no, it was just not a great movie either. Um, so there were some issues with Dread. Uh, the tone overall was very confusing. So Stallone and Disney 
wanted to make a PG-13 Judge Dredd movie. And Danny Cannon, who was the director of said film, really wanted to push the envelope and really pay tribute and go as deep and violent into the comic as you could. Uh, And originally, it got an NC-17 rating. Which, it well, at the time it was an X. It was right before it switched over. That's a death sentence for a movie. Um, And they did multiple cuts and went to the ratings board and four times they they gave it an NC-17 or X rating because it was just too violent. Finally, after a producer greasing some pockets, doing whatever they have to do, kissing asses, they got it down to an R. Mm. Uh, and that right, that R rating killed it. Uh, and at the time, they just... Cause you weren't ready for that kind of movie to... You didn't have that audience. The, the, no, no the, especially I Especially with the trailer. No, the audience is there. They just didn't know how to fucking market it. Y- yeah. I mean, if people well, the, could go see an R-rated police and... academy movie, they're going to go see an R-rated Judge Dredd. If it's marketed right, done right. If it's marketed right, but they didn't. It was, the, the TV spots were silly. Like, it was almost, you saw this, and it was like it was like a kid's movie. All right? It was, the, 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 the spots were over the top, campy. The, I'll be the judge of that. And then you also add in uh, Rob Schneider, who, with all due respect, there is a general. There is a large group of people that just outright hate him. And uh, I, I if they like see him. him in a movie, like they just, my, like my dad, prime example. Like n- not that he was a part of the movie going public in any way whatsoever. My dad um, loved him in Beverly Hillbillies, the movie. <laughs> um, my dad couldn't stand him, and if like he were like. If he were to go see a movie, which he never did, because un- unless there was like a NASCAR movie, I think he, he saw Days of Thunder in theaters. Now is it? Um, uh, he would not. You would not want to go see that movie. So just seeing Rob Schneider in the promo, like in the TV spot, that would be enough for people. Like, no, nah, I don't want to go see it. And then some of the camp, some of the violence. You're, you're not quite sure what it is. And now you have a bunch of kids that see it, like me, and go, I want to go see this. Mom and Dad, look, it's rated R. No, you're not going to go see this. It's rated R. Uh, and therein lies the problem. You you isolated your audience that you were targeting. And it, it, it basically violenced itself out of profits. It cost $90 million to make. And it brought in 113, put in the marketing that they did do, and yeah, they. Th- this was supposed to be a monster. This was supposed to be a huge movie, um. And it just it did not happen. So I, I found there's some there's a study done. I was curious, like how much of a difference does that make? And it can be upwards of 40, but on average, getting an R rating. You're looking at a thirteen per thirty sorry thirty thirty percent loss in revenue compared to PG thirteen. 
I would say because, at one point, but look at fucking uh, Deadpool. This was done in 2016. So there. Uh, oh, that but was also, a so also there. Your audience I'll put changed. that in my big book of so there's. Well, so there. Also, your audience changed. Also, people don't give a shit anymore, and they'll take a kid to an R-rated movie now. Yes. So that's the other thing. It used to be a thing. You couldn't R-rated, R-meant restricted. Now you just, any kid walk into an R-rated movie, no one cares. Um, and also you have, people wanted to see Deadpool. It was marketed much better. And you you could get more adults going to it. Also, someone in their 30s, when Deadpool comes out, like us, would go see it. Whereas maybe someone in their 30s back in 95 might not be as interested going to see Dread. Yeah. Like, the demographic shifted. You know, because, like, we grew up with it. You know, that way. Um, there there was... And, and Stallone even admits, like, he did an interview later on. He's like, the movie did not live up to its potential. He did not get along with Danny Cannon at all. There was fights on set Danny Cannon was when what he said was just a dick on set and like getting up from his chair and screaming like you will fear me like don't you know who I am like I'm the director fear me kind of shit um and he was the one that kept pushing for this violence 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 and maybe now you can get away with that and, and but you have to market it that way like like Mortal Kombat did like oh this is going to be the most violent Judge Dredd movie it's going to be brutal. But you you can't... Like you said, it was all in marketing. People didn't know what they were going to see. And, and then they sell it... You're, with the, the trailers, like it, it's everything a, a teenage boy wants to go see at the time. It's explosions and all kinds of shit going off and monsters and, you know... But parents aren't going to... At least in 96, I know my mom wasn't taking me to go see it. I had to go get it from Blockbuster and rent it on my own and find a guy that, you know, didn't give a crap that he was renting an R-rated movie to a kid. Um, yeah, it, it did It did not fare well. It came out, it finished fifth at the box office um, opening weekend. Not something that you want uh, That it's, it's that's not what you're looking for from you know, this monster. So, uh, granted, it's going out against um, Apollo 13, uh, Pocahontas, and Batman Forever were in their third week, and it still beat it. Um, and this is where you could go with your your marketing, like. Uh, your age thing with the R rating, it lost to Power Rangers in the fourth spot. Power Rangers debuted the same week. Yikes. <clears throat> and it all that was was a glorified episode. It was an hour and a half long episode of Power Rangers on the big screen. And the, because kids can go see it. Had it been PG-13 and you could have opened up your audience a bit more, it probably... It, probably would have at least made it to that it was only a million behind it, it opened at like 12 million 
Power Rangers made thirteen million. If had it been PG thirteen, you tack on that thirty percent. I don't know what thirty percent of twelve million is. It's twelve million and thirty percent. Yes, it's more than thirteen million. So it probably would have beat it out. But that that was the big nail in the coffin was uh, that that R rating. I mean, still better than an NC seventeen, I guess. But I still enjoy it for what it is. I uh, I do too. I like Dread. Moving on to my next pick, another wonderful picture that was rated R. I think it was rated R. Actually, I don't know. I'm assuming it was rated R. I hereby order you to serve two life sentences back to back. Behind the walls of Shawshank Prison. It's my life. Don't you understand? It's my life. Stop a man from dreaming. There's something inside they can't touch. Sometimes you can't stop him at all. Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman, The Shawshank Redemption, rated R. At select theaters, September 23rd. Yes, it was rated R. Uh, this movie is one of my favorite pictures all the time. Directed by mm-hmm. uh, Frank Darabont. Cinematography by the famous <laughs> Roger Deakins. The score by Thomas Newman, starring Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman. This movie cost only $25 million to make. Why, why is this not going to burn up the box office? It, it didn't. It made $16 million during its theatrical run. <laughs> That's hard to believe. It's true. Yeah. No one gave a fuck about this movie. It was up against Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump, though. Oh, okay, that hurts. Right. Uh, no one liked prison films. There's no women in the movie, <laughs> except the one that gets killed in the beginning of it. Um, or, and the one that were on the posters that uh, Andrew Dufresne hangs on his wall. He liked the girlies. <laughs> and the title is really confusing. Mm-hmm. The full title is Rita Hayworth in the Shawshank Redemption, off a novella written by uh, Stephen King. But you think a Stephen King picture uh, is going to do big money with Tim Rob- Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman are pretty big names. Uh, it did it. But then came the Academy Awards. And then came Castle Rock being sold to Turner Broadcast Systems. And then came TNT deciding to get rid of all its regular programming and show Shawshank Redemption on repeat starting in 1997. <laughs> That's how I saw it. I was working master yeah. control at, at work on a Saturday during football, and there's nothing on, but this movie was on fucking TNT. Shawshank Redemption. I watched it, and I'm like, this is now my favorite movie ever. So it wasn't until like 2000s where I saw it. I didn't even know shit about it when it came out. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I remember, I don't remember watching it the first time, but I remember like slowly oh, I, being I re- introduced to it. Like, I like remember seeing the... it, like not knowing what the hell I was watching, but not being no. able to turn it off. Squeezer, I could tell you the day, the weather. It was in the fall, it was during football. Uh, like, it was on a little 13 inch, that little 13 inch TV that used to sit in Master. Mm-hmm. I was sitting up there and I'm like, fuck, there's nothing to watch. And, and then I'm, I'm like, oh, I saw. You know, except, you know, the channel you're supposed to be monitoring, right? 
Right. Uh, and then I found this and I just got hooked in and I watched it. And then it came on. It was like middle through the movie. It came on immediately afterwards. So I watched it again. And it's because it, it was like a I don't know, 15, 16 hour day. So I watched mm-hmm. it again right afterwards in, in, in full on TNT. And I'm like, this is like the best movie I've ever seen. Uh, highest rated movie in IMDb. And um, I mean, it, there, I've rarely met someone who doesn't like this movie. Now, what I learned today from Reddit, and then I, I saw it was on their fucking Wikipedia page, too is that the film is interpreted as being grounded in Christian mysticism. Andy's offered as a messiah, Christ-like figure. Red describing him early in the film as having an aura that engulfs him and protects him from Shawshank. The scene in which Andy and the several inmates tar the prison roof and uh, drink the beer and were lords of all creation uh, was seen as a recreation of The Last Supper. Hmm. Ice cold bohemian style beer <laughs> served from one of the meanest screws that ever walked the halls of Shawshank. See that? I got the whole line right. <laughs> uh, director Frank Darabont said uh, that was not intended whatsoever, So, but they could find their own meaning in the film. So I, I found the guy on Reddit was said, uh, Shawshank, prison full of sinners in the Bible, the world full of sinners. Uh, Red and the prisoners are the sinners in need of redemption, his disciples, I guess. Andy Dufresne is the Messiah, the Christ, the only innocent man punished. The cross is the enduring suffering pain inside the prison, I guess, initially by the the sisters, but you know, who knows. Hope, mm. only Andy has hope. Miracles, Andy provides prisoners with beer, music, library, a glimpse into heaven. Crisis at the last moment. Why have you forsaken me? Andy becomes desperate for a moment at last. Uh, death. Andy goes in their room with the rope to die, as far as viewers are concerned. Rebirth. Crawling out of a tube into water. And uh, even, he says, naked as the day he was born. Crawling out of Shawshank for the first time. Um... Resurrection, the tomb is empty in the morning when they're going to find it. Oh, I could see that. Prison cell. Redemption, it's Red who's in need of redemption, and he gets it because of Andy. In the final shot, Andy is working the wood of the fishing boat. Jesus. Ah, he's a carpenter. Yeah. And Shawshank, the system is subverted and rejuvenated. Tyranny is overcome. Corruption is fixed. Uh, And it's true. There is no corruption in prisons right now as of since Shawshank. Yeah. Yep, Andy Dufresne did it all. Right. <laughs> I don't see this at all. I just see it as a story of friendship and hope. Oh, I... Wow, I don't even see that. You see the great cinematography? I, I just see... I just see... And the yeah, narration that, by... I, by Red. Visually, it's just from Morgan awesome. Freeman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just... It, it is like... you and you, and But you love the characters, too. Yeah, like they're, it, but you have to remember they're also bad guys. Except Andy, like they're in, except Andy, sure. But uh, you know what? Maybe he was a dick. Maybe he had it coming. So. You know, Tom Cruise almost played Andy Dufresne. Really, I couldn't see that. You know, I say that, 
but I like Tom Cruise and almost everything he's in. I I agree, but it's Tim but Robbins' picture. It's Tim Robbins. He's right. just he's it, it's a different kind of love. Like you want to, like you want you could see like you just want to pinch Tim Robbins' cheeks. There yeah. there's more of an innocence to him. Yeah, you know, like you like look at Tom Cruise. Like oh yeah, he can handle himself in prison. He'll be fine. No, he can. He's like four foot six. Yeah, but he's got that's perfect. He fit right. There. It's a smaller hole he has to dig, <laughs> right through that tunnel. Yeah, it earned sixty million after the Oscars when they re-released it in prison, and then it probably earned forty billion. Uh, oh no, it earned eighty million in rentals in nineteen ninety-five. Wow. Yeah. Uh, in twenty thirteen, Shawshank aired on cable a draw-dropping total of one hundred and fifty-one hours. It airs on TNT all the fucking time. That's how I saw it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Great movie. Uh, Frank Darabont did uh, The Green Mile, too. Another good Stephen King movie. And Charles Shank kind of returns in Castle Rock on uh, Hulu, kind of. And uh, no no maggots were harmed in the making of the film, just so you know. Oh. Did I actually say that? Yeah, Jake uh, was fed a live maggot in the movie, but that was it was a uh, fake construct constructed out of baby food. Oh, that's yeah. I, yeah the baby food probably made out of maggots. <laughs> there the was at least some maggots in the baby food. Yeah, but they were dead maggots, so it wasn't a yeah, live maggot. There, there, yeah, there's a ratio. Uh, live maggots are good for you. It's protein. You ever see Call of the Wild? Ugh, don't start. I all the fucking eating the brood X shit that I keep seeing. It's protein. No thanks. I'll rather die. <laughs> all right. Let's uh get busy living or get busy dying with squeezers next pick. What do we know about them? We know they're extremely advanced technologically, which suggests that they're peaceful. <laughs> I want the people to know that they still have two out of three branches of the government working for them, and that ain't bad. See the biggest cast on the planet while it's still here. Whoa, Mars Attacks, directed by Tim Burton, starts Friday, December 13th at a theater near you. Did you see that? You actually saw this movie? I tried to Oh, yeah, in, in theaters. I went for, uh, it was my friend's birthday party. We all... I tr- I tried to watch it on pay per view when I was like, you know I could not get into it. Really? Oh, I I loved it. It's it's just silly. Um, uh, there's a little confusion. You're, you're, you're some even for me. You're like the tone of it is somewhere in between. Uh, you're not quite sure what what they're going for sometimes. Uh, until you just accept that it is just a straight up violent comedy. Right. Um. But people didn't get that. Uh, and when word got out like that, so originally they couldn't get anyone in the movie because no agent would allow their client to be in this movie. Like they don't want, you don't want to see your client be killed in a movie um, until Tim Burton went and called in a favor and brought in Jack Nicholson. 
Once Jack Nicholson's in, everyone else came pouring in. Mm. Then they wanted to be in it too. Uh, but part of the issue was when word got out, and and in the trailers you see like everyone's dying, it's like and and mutilated. People don't want to go and see their favorite actors that they kind of envy and and try to like they embody themselves in. You don't want to see them die on screen. It, it, it's not a, it's not a fun trip. Um, also, there there was the the critics panned it. They're not fond of it whatsoever. And there were a number of critics and a lot of the public who, like I said, where people don't like uh, Rob Schneider. There are plenty of critics that were not fans of Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. And there are also people that are just Tim Burton exhaustion. Like they just they had enough. Uh, I'm not one of them, but there were there was plenty of people just attacking the film just on that you know aspect of it. That was a Tim Burton film. Mm-hmm. Originally, it was supposed to cost even more. He wanted a hundred million for it because he wanted to do all the aliens in uh, stop motion to of pay he did. real tribute to like those 1950s films. And they're like, no, we have computers now. You have 70. Uh, I think they worked out fine. I, I don't know. It's one of those things. In hindsight, you don't know what would have worked better. Um, ack, ack. Ack, ack. So, funny story about that. Because, you know, it's based off the cards. You never heard them talk or anything. So, when they were doing... There's a couple, like, conflicting stories. But the general consensus is... It, either in the script or on the storyboards, they would just write when the aliens would talk, just like yak yak yak, like in the in the word bubble or on the page, mm-hmm. and then eventually that transitioned to ak ak, and what they did was they recorded a duck, reversed it, played it backwards, and then tweaked it a little bit to give it a little more ethereal kind of feel, and so yeah, that's the basically it's the Aflac duck. Uh, a violent, uh, it led to one of Affleck duck. the best trolls on uh, one of the best, in my opinion, Howard Stern whackpacker in history, Eric the actor. Uh, he they they would he would ah, ah, and say he said ack ack, and they just play that. Uh, Fred would just play the ack ack click every time he called. I don't say ack ack. <laughs> There was some general confusion, too. Like, people thought, like... So, this came out the same year, uh, and this came out in 96, same as Independence Day. Also got pushed back a little bit. It was supposed to come out that summer. That's also why they wanted to push Independence Day up and get it out that weekend, because they wanted to come out before Mars Attacks. They're two completely different movies. Two completely... I don't even like when they're like, oh, well, they're two alien invasion movies. No, no. Independence Day is like an alien invasion action movie. Mars Attacks is a black comedy. Period. It doesn't. The aliens are are part of the story, part of the plot. It, it's they're elements of the comedy. Like you don't have to. It could be anything. It's not an alien invasion movie. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Mm-hmm. It's a comedy. It, it's so the compared to it is silly. The problem is people did, and. So, like, six months later, finally, when it comes out in the winter, 
people thought that Mars Attacks was just a parody of Independence Day. Ah. And that didn't do it any favors either. Like, oh, I'm not going to go see some Independence Day parody movie. No, it was silly alien. It's the violent trading cards, you know? Oh, great. Yes, the violent trading card movie. That's what I want to go see. Mm -hmm. um, and again, kind of like the same problem with uh, that uh, Judge Dredd had. The audience, your target audience was probably too young for your rating. You know, there's a lot of parents that aren't going to want their kid to go see Mars Attacks. And there's plenty of parents that don't want to go see Mars Attacks. It's strange to say that now as a parent. Like, if I would go see, I would watch Mars Attacks right now. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't see my mom or dad going to see Mars Attacks when I was a little kid. Uh, my mom might have wanted to see it. But I, my dad, my dad, let's go back and watch Spaceballs again. Uh, you want to watch Caddyshack too? <laughs> Jeffrey was the one who introduced me to Caddyshack, too. Oh, right. It's Ty Webb's back, huh? <laughs> yeah, so it, it 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 debuted at number two. What is that? Oh. Jerry Maguire. Mm, Tom Cruise. The Revenge. Yeah. Yep. He was back. Uh, and then the next week, uh, Beavis and Butthead uh, do America, made their debut. And that kind of took the wind out of its sails, and that dropped all the way down to seventh place and uh, half its revenue. And then by then it just kept uh, – it kind of hung steady down there for a little bit. Yeah, I remember uh, as a kid – well, I was like a teenager. I was really into uh, – I never saw Jerry Maguire as a movie ever. I'll admit that right now. Uh, uh, he never I showed saw... me the money. I saw the clip of Cuba Gooding Jr. winning the Oscar for it and the director snap cutting it at the Oscars, but I never saw the movie. Ah, that, yes. I know uh, that's uh, Show Me the Money and um, You Complete Me. Oh, that's what that's from? I think so, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure. Never saw it. I saw Beavis yeah. and Butthead do America, though, in theaters. Yes. I, I also had an... an and the VHS. I forgot where I copied that from because it wasn't an original. I saw it in theaters, and it was only playing in one theater in the area, Squeezer. The Tillman? Nope. Oh. The Eric, the United Artist. Oh. Wasn't playing. Oh, right it, across the street from the old yeah, prison. Yeah, it was not playing anywhere else. So Jeffrey took me. Oh, come on! And then during it, the trailer for Howard Stern Private Parts played. I'm like, Dad, we have to go see that movie. Oh, well, you know, check with your mother. But we want to see that too. <laughs> uh where did I see? I what did I see there? Oh, uh, uh, Dirty Work. I mm, saw there. Probably I, I only playing. I said that. Too. Yeah, that's when they were demolishing it. Yeah, that was fun. Um, but no, I saw this at our. Uh, uh, at the Lehigh Valley, uh, at the mall, there. What? Beavis and Butthead do America? No, no, uh, no, no. Mars Attacks. Mars Attacks. Oh, Mars Attacks. I just remember we were all sitting there, and we were the only ones in the theater. There's like eight of us, and we're all like assholes sitting in the front row because you know that's where you want to go. Hey, we're just sitting in the front row, uh, even though you have the entire theater yourself, which also not a great sign. Um, but my friend just jumping up screaming, I love Tom Jones, because he truly did at, at uh, 13 years old. Huge Tom Jones fan. That was right around the time Pepsi Kona came out. Was he a fan? 
Uh, I don't know. I gotta. I'll try to track him down. And see what he. I think he's like building bridges or some shit right now. Some important stuff. All right. Uh, here is my next. Would be, blockbuster butt flop. Bud and Doyle are trapped in the biodome. Please let me out, mommy. Just because we're stuck in a bubble doesn't mean we can't cause any trouble. On January 12th, what do you boys want? To die and come back as a leotard? <laughs> Polly Shore and Stephen Baldwin are putting the mental back in environmental. They're the rarest Lepidoptera in the world. Biodome, rated PG-13. Starts Friday, January 12th. Now, Biodome wasn't a bomb, but this isn't about bombs. But it only didn't lose money because it really didn't cost a whole lot to make. It only made, cost $8.5 million to make. Now, I don't know what they spent on marketing, but it only made $13 million in the box office, which is not good. <laughs> now, I guarantee you they put $20 million into marketing this picture because it was all over MTV. Mm-hmm. Uh, nope. Uh, ten million. MGM spent ten million in marketing, hmm. so it lost money. Five million. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor Steve. He probably took points in the back end too. Probably. <laughs> what couldn't I have been like, Alec? <laughs> now this movie was surprisingly based on a real thing, Squeezer. Biosphere Two. Mm-hmm. Between 1987 and 1991, a complex series of geodesic buildings appeared in Oracle, Arizona. Inside was a rainforest, an ocean with coral reefs, wetlands, a fog desert, grasslands, and it was populated with 3,800 species, including eight humans. The facility was an outcropping of the Synergist movement, uh, a scientific commune lifestyle with the goal of revolutionizing life on Earth. The facility was financed by businessman and environmentalist Ed Bass, who frequented Synergia, Synergia, Synergia Ranch in Santa Fe, New Mexico, before Biosphere 2 was conceived. Um, with $150 million in funding from Bass, they set to work on building the bizarre-looking structure that would serve as mini-Earth. There were hopes that the project would ultimately result in biospheres on the moon and Mars. Instead, over the next two years, it uh, kept getting set back until they shuttered it. And apparently, from what I read, it wasn't in this article, but I read that someone on the on the in the biosphere. Uh, oh, here it is. Jane Pointner got her hand caught in a thresher, whatever that is. Ow! What's a thresher? Uh, it's like a piece of farming equipment. She was treated, but the tip of her finger was cut off but she they reattached by their in-house doctor she then had to leave to seek further treatment upon her return she brought with her a duffel bag full of supplies that was the first crack in the biosphere's proverbial uh. glass over the course of the experiment supplies continued to make their way into the sphere ending the notion of a seal experiment you can't build a fucking biosphere on the moon and mars because you can't just bring in bags of supplies whenever you fucking want Jane. Well, not just bring them in, but just building it to begin with. <laughs> like, well, yeah. Yeah, how are you going to build it? Yeah. yeah. 
this came to a head when oxygen content inside the biosphere dropped from 21% to 14.2%. Just open a window. An investigation revealed that the concrete inside the structure was leaching gases out of the air. As a result, oxygen had to artificially be added to the environment, which kind of defeated the whole point. <laughs> By the end, in the words of Jane Poitner, all eight of the biospherians had gone mad. By many measures, the two-year experiment failed, and that doesn't mean we didn't learn from it. Lessons learned, we could make a Polly Shore picture called Biodome, <laughs> where he and another idiot get trapped in. This would be like me and Jake stopping the piss. Oh, no, no, I'm, yeah. I take this back. This is Trucker and Uncle Bix. <laughs> oh, perfect. I got a piss. Let's stop in this mall. <laughs> uh, is is there is there enough salt in the dome to <laughs> survive? There's an ocean. Let's start draining it to dry out for the salt. Ryan said you're not supposed to be eating hot dogs. I got cheesesteaks. <laughs> well, you shouldn't be eating a cheesesteak. No, I got two cheesesteaks. Jesus Christ. Uh, Just trying to let the poor bastard live a little bit longer. Yeah, I mean, I think this movie's funny, and I still watch it and laugh. Every time it's on, and it's one of those, like, uh, you walk into the break room and it's always on kind of things. Yeah. Which isn't a great idea sometimes. But, uh... Yeah, I will. I will just stop and stand there and watch. So they they get over the course of a week. You see the entire movie. Yeah, they get pissed that they're being treated badly because they just want to have fun in this bubble, and they notice a back door is open. So they have they throw a rager. They get pizza. They throw a rager. They trash the place, and then they feel bad. So they want to get it back to normal. And then a a um, montage happens to one of the best songs ever, "Safety Dance." And the little guy from the safety dance video is in when they're all doing the safety dance across the biodome. And they get it back to almost 99% homeostasis. But Pencil Dick from Ghostbusters becomes a total creep after he disappears and tries to take over the biodome hostage. But only Bud and Doyle could save the day to prove that they're really cool to their girlfriends. Yeah, it's awful plot, but it's fun to watch. <laughs> it is fun. Not, clearly it bombed because it's kind of a piece of shit movie. It should have <laughs> went right to video. Yeah, you, it, it's one of those things. Like as you're making it too, you like you think they all knew. Uh, well, Polly Shore like, you had a, you're making. Polly Shore had a string of a couple hits. Squeezer. I know they're hits, but even those hits are a little like. I, Look, you're not winning Academy Awards. It doesn't matter. They don't give a shit about Academy Awards. They care about fucking money. Son-in-law made fucking money. Alright. In the Army Now made fucking money. Encino Man made money. And it's, it made more than Shawshank. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the Army Now, let's see. In the Army Now had a budget... Can't find the budget, but it made twenty-eight million dollars. No way that movie cost more than fifty bucks to make. <laughs> um, Encino Man. Budget of seven million, made forty million in the box office. Son-in-law. Son-in-law was probably his biggest. 
son-in-law had a uh, made 36.4 million in the box office. I guess Encino Man was bigger. Goofy mm. movie. He was in Goofy movie. Really? Uh, well, you got it's a it's that Brendan Fraser effect. 18 million made it 37.6 million. It's all Kevin Smith numbers, but it's still pretty good. Then Biodome is his fall off. He had Jury Duty too. Remember Jury Duty? Oh yes. Yeah, that one tanked too. That was. When did I see? I saw that. That I was. Saw tw- that like with my mom and sister. Twenty-one million, and it made seventeen. So that lost money too. It started going downhill after, after Goofy movie. And then, um, after Biodome, his career kind of went to fuck. Well, as far as movies goes, I think he's still doing stand-up. Yeah. He was in an extremely goofy movie. <laughs> he was in King of the Hill as a voiceover. He was in Casper Meets Wendy, and he was in Casper A Spirited Beginning. Oh. Uh, the Bogus Witch Project, Futurama, he played himself. Polly Shore is Dead, big fan independent movie. Got a two little penguin Pororo's dinosaur island adventure movies coming out. Oh, adorable. Yeah. I mean All in all, it's not bad for, you know. It, like if you if you were like a big time like movie actor, like if you were like the Tom Cruise of it, like yeah, those are bad numbers. But if you accept that you're a comic and you make silly, goofy movies it's not bad numbers. And extremely goofy movies. And extremely goofy movies. Um. Okay. On to Squeezer's last pick. Here it is. We're zooming. Too perfect, isn't it? Don't waste time trying to radio the Coast Guard or position charges throughout the ship. He's taking us right into an oil tanker. I'm never leaving the house again. You've got to stop the ship. We're going to very sick boy. How are you going to stop me now, my friend? Sandra Bullock, Jason Patrick. Speed 2, Cruise Control. Oops. Rated PG-13. Rush hour hits the water June 13th. Oops. Speed 2, Cruise Control. <laughs> Oops is right. It, I was going to pull the Millhouse clip, too. It's like Speed 2, only on a bus instead of a boat. Wow. Okay. And like I said, most of my movies, in fact, my last four movies, I, I thoroughly enjoy and, and would watch. This is a hunk of junk. I never saw it. I saw Speed. Never saw oh, Speed 2. Oh, lucky you. This is everything that is wrong with the sequel. We'll call it the sequel genre. It, it, it's, it's uh, oh, God, this movie is so bad. Um, it considered It's on many lists of the worst sequels of all time. Um, where, where is it on Rotten Tomatoes? It's got a 4% on Rotten Tomatoes. How does Sandra um, Bullock fall into this again? So she, what, that she signed on for the sequel? No, 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 no. Like, she's just a, a woman. She's nobody I, in, the, I in the first picture, it. right? I haven't seen this movie since 1997, so I forgot. Uh, as, as a human being, a Sandra Bullock, as an actress, she's in it because... She wanted to get funding for another project of hers, 
and she can only get it if she was in Speed 2. Um, uh, John DeBont comes back as a director. Uh, look, batting 500 on Speed movies isn't bad. Uh, the first one is great. Uh, the second one is not. Uh, and there, there's a couple of things that killed this coming into it. Um, I think, first of all, we talk about reviews. The reviews were very hard on this movie. Uh, they, they hammered it. So right there, you're already telling people, just stay away. Uh, no more pop quizzes, hotshot. And you can't jump off, like, you you can't jump off a speeding bus. Yes, but, you would get ripped apart on the blacktop. You're right. at 55 miles an hour, right. you're dead. But all you have to do is have another boat catch up with this boat, and then everyone can start jumping off, and they pull them out one by one into the other boat. Well, I'm sure William Defoe had a plan. I'm sure there's some convoluted plot point there that, you know, he has. You know, just... Who the hell knows? You know, this is one of those movies where, like, they had a sequence in their head of, like, Oh, we have a we have an idea of a cruise ship like that bounces off an oil tanker and then crashes into a dock of like a resort town. That's really cool. Hey, how about we make Speed Two? And you just all right. So you have roughly thirty five seconds of a a, a plot there or a, a, an idea. You got an idea. Thirty five seconds. You get a shot. You have a sequence. Build another ninety five minutes around it and see what you can do. How, I'm on it. How fast? I'm sorry. Could a, 126 minutes. How fast could a a boat go anyway? Uh, I don't know. A bunch of knots. Hmm. If they untied the knots, they'd go a lot faster. But uh, I'm sorry. 126 minutes. This is two hours long. Wait, am I right? Yes, two hours. Wait, 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 wait. It was pushed back to avoid competition with. Titanic, another boat movie, and Con Air, which is speed on a on a on an airplane. <laughs> uh, it it should have been pushed off a cliff. Um, and Men in Black. So, no wonder I fucking died. Even yeah, it, it, it and this was it was nominated for eight Golden Raspberries, and it's not a complete bomb because it made it. it it broke even with its production budget, so it lost when you add in all the marketing and backroom wheeling and dealing to make sure no one gets paid. Um, but Eight Golden Raspberries, th- this was truly like a franchise killer. Like maybe if this wouldn't have sucked so bad, we would still be on like we'd be in like Speed Nine now. It would be the next Fast and the Furious, you know, or the first Fast and the Furious. But Thank you, Jake, for my you complimenting me on my quality knots joke. Um, there's and so like Rotten Tomatoes hammers it, and they it almost saw it as a when when you see watch the trailers they're so bad the TV spots are so bad that people are confused whether it's just a cheap like almost like a cheap direct to movie knockoff. Um. Like one of those like like shark movie or like a, a like Squid Attack Five or whatever like th- those shitty B movies that like 
my friends and I would rent and then go to the, the 99 cent hamburger stand, load up, and just watch shit movies and eat garbage cheeseburgers all night long. It's a great time. Sure. Or, or at the same time, um, is this just, it was almost like a parody of itself. Like, like what the Simpsons said, like Millhouse nailed it. It's the smartest thing Millhouse ever said. Uh, it, it almost looks like by, by doing speed two this way on a boat, it's almost like you're mocking the first film. It's like a parody. And all that aside, the number one reason why this movie didn't succeed is because they, Keanu Reeves is not in the movie. How can you, you it, it's Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. Like, you can't lose one. Like, it's like if they did, like, like if they would have done another 48 hours, but they didn't bring back Eddie Murphy. Right. So, and I was going to, I had to quote for Keanu, and I was reading it, and then I realized where it came from, and it was him on Kimmel. So I figured I would just let let uh, Keanu Reeves explain his reasoning for not being in Speed 2 Cruise Control. There was a sequel to Speed. You yes. were not in the sequel to Speed. No, I didn't get to be in that. Oh, what do you mean you didn't get to be in well, that? Well, I decided not to. Oh, be okay. In well, that's just. <laughs> no, I mean, I loved working with Jan de Bont and Sandra, of course, and it was just, uh, it was just a situation in life where I got the script and I read the script and I was like, ah! <laughs> it was like, you know, it was about a cruise ship, and I was like, okay, speed cruise ship, and then I was thinking, well, bus and cruise ship, speed bus, not so fast, but then cruise ship is even slower than a bus, <laughs> and then I was just like, I love you guys, but I. I just can't do it. Yeah, right. Well, I think... Yeah, that was probably the best move on his part. Good move, Keanu. Yeah, very good move. So let me think. All right. So let me... So, and... Keanu... Let me... How do, why didn't I bury filmographies here? What are you trying to say? I, I want to I find out what he did in 97... Because I know it was around then... He's do probably Johnny filming the fucking then. Matrix. All right, so 94, he did Speed, and that was, like, his big breakout. I mean, he was in Point Break yeah, and stuff. Yeah, he was in Point and Break, and, and he was in Bill and Ted. But, like, this was... What's that? He was... Uh, it was a big, eh, big action movie, I guess, maybe, but... Yeah, yeah, like, it, this made him, like, a Hollywood guy now. Like, he was in Bill and Ted, and he was in Point Break, but you know, that, that wasn't his. But, like, this was, like, his... It could be his franchise, Oh, sorry. Johnny Mnemonic was right after that. Uh, in 95, he did that. Uh, oh, that's right. He turned down this to do Devil's Advocate. Hmm. Hoo-ah. Uh, yeah, hoo-ah. I, I don't disagree with that. I, I would argue Devil's Advocate a little bit better than uh, Speed 2. Devil's Advocate. And then, so 97, that was released. I don't know. You probably start filming, what, Speed 2 and 96-ish, maybe? Um but in 99, we go by release date, 99. That means he immediately started, after that, started doing The Matrix. Right. So, smart move. Yeah. Uh, I, I can, it's The Matrix that made him, well, I mean, I would argue that it Speed set him up to do The Matrix. No. Speed 2 probably would have derailed that. I, if he would have been in Speed 2, he, I, I don't want to guarantee you, but the odds of him being in that franchise 
it probably wouldn't have happened. I would argue it that... didn't kill. It didn't kill Sandra Bullock's career. I, I she had one or two good movies after that. I would argue um, that the Prince of Pennsylvania set him up for the Matrix. Prince of Pennsylvania. Yeah, that movie where he uh, sees himself as the king of Pennsylvania. Are you setting me up for a joke I don't get? No, it's a movie called Prince of Pennsylvania. Really? Why have I never seen this? Uh, That's old. When did that come out? 1988. It's not that that good. I have never heard of this movie. Yeah. What's it about? Uh, I thought you were the Prince of Pennsylvania. Well, I am. Fred Ward's in it? I'll watch it. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on to my last picture. George Washington, man, he was in a cult. And the cult was in the aliens, man. You didn't know that? Somewhere between free love and safe sex. Funny. Tie-dye and button fly. We should be up for anything. Ed Sullivan and MTV. So stupid, doesn't it? There was a generation. The 60s rocked. The 70s, they obviously sucked. That was dazed and confused. Maybe the 80s will be radical. Rated R starts tomorrow at select theaters. I, so without further any further commentary, wow. uh, I give you this trailer, this TV spot as to why this movie, which is one of the best movies ever made, failed at the box office. It's like Dan Ross wrote the copy and then did the voiceover. <laughs> somewhere, is... uh, I got it, I got it. Somewhere, I got it. Somewhere, be let's let's talk about somewhere between Ed Sullivan and MTV. No, <laughs> this is not what this movie is about. At all, this is a a, a day in the life coming of age picture of of kids who are are are, are torn between uh, doing what they're told and doing what they think is right, or ju- and just fucking off. There's a a book called All Right, All Right, All Right: Oral History of Richard Linklater's Dazed and Confused by Melissa Mers, who is a former Rolling Stone writer and ed- editor. And she tracked down everybody. Tasting and Views is one of my favorite movies on the fucking planet. Uh, he Richard Linklater always said this was his um, John Hughes movie where it showed how kids really live. <laughs> there was no life-altering kiss or girlfriend or boyfriend. This was just like... People just living and, and discussing philosophy and wondering why that guy picked on you and standing up to him and wondering why people think you're attractive or not attractive and the whole uh, stigma of, of hazing and, and how much of a douche you look like when you're so into it. And, you know, the guys that, that like, I don't know. I just, this movie connected with me when I saw it and it will forever fucking be one of my favorite movies of all time. I love this movie. I don't. How do you? Where do you stand on this movie? Uh, it's no, it's great. It's fantastic. It doesn't. That's. I, I was almost confused. I wasn't sure what I was even hearing. Listening to that trailer, right? That TV spot. It's god awful. Now this movie did not make a whole lot of money. I think it only made eight million at the box office off a six million dollar budget, uh, and they're expecting more, but. Uh, 
it was just bad. But critics love this movie. Critics fucking love this movie. It just wasn't sold right. And Richard Linklater had a. Uh, I can't. I love Richard Linklater's first movie, but I can't remember the name of it for the life of me. It's a day in Austin, and it just shows people having a conversation, and then they move. Well, of course you like it. Then they move on to the next one, and it just keeps going over and over and over. Uh... Slacker, Slacker, fuck, Slacker, yes. Slacker is a great movie. If you've never seen Slacker, see Slacker. It's shot on Super 8, and it's just, it's just... It's just like a giant wonder and, and so amazing. I love the movie. Um, and then he gained this huge cult following. It sold just like he made it for $23,000. It grossed $1.25 million. It sold at like the um, the 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 film market in New York. And it went to like all the darling you know, before film festivals were like were like places where um, debutantes and uh, what the fuck, like Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian types went to pose on the red carpet. It was a place where like indie films went to get purchased, and that was Slacker. And he was an indie darling, and he made his third film, Days and Confuse. Based on his years at Huntsville High School, which he's been sued by some of his classmates on using their stories and the people encountered there. And um, it became a huge hit on Laserdisc. The first it was an it was released on Laserdisc before VHS. I had it on VHS. I, I bought it for like seventy five dollars at Suncoast Motion Picture. You need a Laserdisc of it for your office. Yeah. I do. Mount it, mount it up like a like a gold record. Right. <laughs> I could use it as a mirror too. Uh, <laughs> it was the it was the the breakout vehicle for one of my favorite people, Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Just keep living. I like high school girls. I keep getting older, and they stay the same age. Really creepy. <laughs> he would then go on to make um, a lot of. Uh, mainstream pictures the scanner darkly keanu reeves i believe is in that mm -hmm. uh, school of rock bad news bears remake um fast food nation he did before sunset and before midnight and uh he did bernie and me and arson wells you know Bo boyhood which is a great picture um but in my opinion he will always be known to me forever for uh, Dazed and Confused, which is just such a fucking great movie. If you've never seen Dazed and Confused, you put it off. You heard about it. You're like, ah, i never seen it. I don't think I'll watch it. I don't think I'll see it. See it, please. It is so good. It's a great. I love a, a day in the life coming of age. Like two, two of my favorite like genres to go with for a picture, a day in the life and coming of age. It's like Clerks, day in the life, coming of age. <laughs> Indie Darling. You know, all that he he saw Slacker. Kevin Smith saw Slacker at the Angelica in New York, and was like, "I could do this. I can make one of these movies." And um, I felt we could get a show done in under two hours, but here we are, right at the cusp of two hours. 
Uh, you and I can ramble on pretty uh, incessantly about movies and why they're f- and find their faults with the best of them I shall say yeah thank you for listening everybody thank you for writing in reviews even if they are shitty um, thank you for tuning in live and those who listen on your leisure I, we love you all we are back next week with squeezer squeezer I had it. I lost it. Last day of school memories. So we're talking about memories from our last day of school, whether it be elementary, middle, or high school. I got a couple good ones. Uh, Then we talk Disney shit, and then it's record store memories. I got to figure Wait, let me just double check on record store days once and for all. Record store day is June twelfth. All right, so we gotta we gotta pivot here. Pause and pivot, squeezer. That's what they're saying. So it is. We are ahead of the schedule. It's May twenty seventh. So our next show is six two. That will be last day of school memories, and then six nine, which is three days before record store day. We'll be doing record store day memories. Then Disney shit. Finally talking a show full of Disney shit. God knows why, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a topic. Because most of the world wants to hear you talk about it. Yeah. Retro video game music, theme park memories, water episode part two, summer blockbusters, summer memories, summer television, an up all night watch along. Then uh, we got more for you in August. Stay tuned. We have a fun summer planned. Light squeezy? Yeah. It's going to be thrilling. Thrill. God, so thrilling. I see it with polka dots all over the summer. Polka dot summer squeezer? Are you down? <laughs> I. Uh, mm. <laughs> it's like the I end don't of do the song. all polka dots. You look handsome in them. If I got you a replica of Dusty's polka dot costume and the boots, would you yes, wear it for me? Yes, I'd do it. Okay, it's your sweet boy. That's all uh, we have to say about that. I'm Forrest Gump. He's Squeezer. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm RK. And I'm Squeezer. We'll be back next week. See you guys. <laughs>